0: We live in an age of constant busyness, a hustle culture. The world will tell you that you must, if you want to get more done, you must work harder, burn the midnight oil, sleep when you're dead. As our world has become more and more connected through technology, there's this constant pressure to always be on, always available, always working. Ask most people how their week is going and the answer you will most commonly hear is I'm busy. It's been a busy week. Maybe you are facing a particular period or season at the moment when you're feeling swamped. You get up in the morning, you're exhausted, not having had enough sleep. You open your phone to dozens of messages or emails that range from the mundane to the important. And you feel this constant expanding list of the many things you have to get done. You've probably often felt like you just can't keep up with the deadlines and the tasks required. With so much to do, how can we possibly think about rest? How can we think that there even have time to think about rest? And yet the Bible, God's word, calls us to rest. To rest from our labours. To be recharged in the presence of God. And in many ways, the secular world is starting to understand this need of rest. In January 2021, an article in Forbes magazine said this, rest is a fundamental part of success, health and happiness. There are many distractions in this digital world and always something or someone requiring your attention. No matter what your schedule or task list may look like, resting and unplugging is vital to your long-term health. And one place in the Bible where we see this uh, words that are designed to encourage us to rest is in Psalm 23, perhaps one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. The Bible commentator Peter Craigie says, There are few Psalms in the Psalter which are so well-loved and well-known as Psalm 23. Its appeal lies partly in the simplicity and beauty of its poetry, strengthened by the serene confidence which it exudes. But if Psalm 23 is a passage that's well known to us, I wonder if it's a passage that we often skip over quickly without slowing down to reflect on it and to think about what it's actually saying to us. Psalm 23 is a song of confidence or trust in the Lord. The psalmist expresses his trust in the midst of attack. Praying the psalm helps us to express our trust in God and to experience his calming influence in the midst of life's troubles, even extending to imminent death. Rest from all our trouble and weariness is possible because the Lord is our shepherd. He carries the load so that we can rest secure in him. Often I think our world struggles with rest because we don't believe there is someone who is continuing to take care of us, to take care of our worries when we stop and rest. So our rest is interrupted by that constant feeling that we need to get back to it, that we need to be spending less time on rest. And even when we're resting, we, we still think about, we still reflect on all the many tasks and worries we have to get done. But if you believe there's someone who holds those worries, someone who is continuing to work even when you are not working, then we're able to rest. The psalm shows us that the believer can trust there is someone there, someone who cares about us, Someone who we can truly rely upon to grant us rest. The psalm calls us to rest by reminding us of three vital truths that should influence the way we live. There's the shepherd who provides for us. The shepherd is with us in trouble and the shepherd has prepared a place for us. So first of all, the shepherd provides for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The psalm begins with this confident declaration that the Lord, Yahweh, the covenant-keeping, faithful God, will provide all that we need and more. Every good thing will be provided by our God. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we can have this confidence. Because God is our shepherd, we do not need to worry. In one of his sermons, Jesus reminded his followers that if earthly fathers know how to give good things to their children, then how much more Does God want to give us good things when we ask him? The Lord is our shepherd. And because the Lord is also God, that means he can provide everything we need. These are not just words. Nothing is impossible for him. Whatever situation, whatever trials you might find yourself in the midst of, he can help. We have no reason to ever worry or be anxious about our needs because God is our shepherd. Instead, we should remind ourselves through the psalm that God's sovereign power will provide for us. And so there's no need for anxiety or worry. Sheep never have to worry about what they will eat because they trust their shepherd to lead them to the source of food each and every day. Now, of course, often we do worry. But when we do, we're actually displaying our lack of trust in the Lord. And what we have to do is take these worries to the Lord in prayer to hand them over to him. David continues in the Psalm then to build on this image that the Lord is his shepherd. The shepherd will provide. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David celebrates that the Lord takes him where there is satisfaction, where he is provided with all that he needs. The words, make me lie down, lead me, restore me, guide me, all speak of the Lord being the one who initiates this process. He is the one who leads us. He is the one who brings us what we need and takes us to the place where there is plenty. Sheep will only lie down in certain circumstances. Sheep will only lie down when they are free from fear. Sheep get so timid that they will refuse to lie down if there is anything that's bringing fear in their life. They're easily panicked. The simplest thing like a stray rabbit can cause a stampede of sheep. When one sheep is startled, dozens of others will join it in, the, in running. And sheep will also only lie down when they're free from hunger. They will not lie down as long as they think they need more food. So a sheep must be free from anxiety, fear, hunger, They must be satisfied to lie down. And both of these aspects seem to be here in this psalm. God provides what we need. He protects us so that we are able to rest. And the fact this is all about rest is seen in verse 2. The word translated quiet, uh, still waters here, or quiet in some translations, is also translated rest in other parts of the Bible. In Psalm 95 verse 11, the promised land is the place of rest, and this word is used. David experienced this in his own life, that God constantly provided rest for him in the midst of his troubles. And as Christians, looking back on this psalm, we see this even more clearly through Jesus. (coughs) Jesus took these words and applied them to himself. In John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who has a hired hand and not a shepherd, who doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. This image that Jesus draws on is that he is the shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. And this helps us to understand the wonder of this psalm. This is particularly relevant to verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. How does God restore our soul? Why do we need restoring in the first place? Well, the answer is because of our sin. Our disobedience, the ways we have let God down and hurt one another, has corrupted our souls. It's created a barrier between us and God. But Jesus, the Good Shepherd, laid down his life so that our souls could be restored. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, verse 6, puts it like this All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We turned away from the Lord. We did what we thought was best. We thought that through our busyness, through all that we could achieve, we could somehow fix the mess of our lives. But it didn't work. But in mercy, our good shepherd came. Jesus came to rescue us. The Lord then laid our iniquity, our sin upon him. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sins so that our souls could be restored. (laughs) And he then shared his righteousness with us, calling us now to walk as he walks in the paths of righteousness, not to make a name for ourselves, but for his name's sake, for the glory and honour of our Lord Jesus Christ. As the people of Jesus, we can rejoice with quiet confidence that he, that we belong to him, that we are led by him, guided by him, refreshed by him, and made to lie down in the place of beauty and plenty. The words of the psalm invite us to rest in our Lord, the one who died for us to rescue us, the one who rose again revealing the promise of an eternal rest that awaits us. And remember, a shepherd has a flock, not just an individual sheep. And so our experience of this psalm should be one that teaches us that God cares for us and loves us as individuals. But the psalm is not individualistic like so much of our world today. Instead, it's calling us to be part of the flock, to be part of the people of God, the redeemed people of God, who together worship with the Lamb, with our hearts and souls restored. The psalm, of course, is not just about future rest, but it's about rest in the here and now. And so we're encouraged to walk in righteousness, to receive God's refreshing day by day. We're invited to rest in God's presence right now. And one way we do this in our day-to-day lives is by spending time with God, reading his word, praying to him. We often feel that we're too busy to pray, but we need to slow down. We cannot properly digest God's word if we just do it on a quick run. If we desire to grow spiritually, we need to set time aside to quiet our souls and minds, to properly hear God's word, to receive his word, to be praying to him. In an age when we are surrounded on every side by noise, digital noise, constant busyness, running from one task to another, all the pressure, anxiety of deadlines, the news or whatever else we might feel we're missing out upon, this is a challenge. But it's a challenge that we are called to as Christians, that we need seasons of refreshing. Because what does rely behind the root of us not stopping and resting? Often fear. As people often call it today, FOMO, fear of missing out. Fear that we will miss out on something or not get everything finished. But our shepherd encourages us not to fear. Because even in the worst of trouble, he is with us. The shepherd is with us in trouble. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice that the psalm doesn't say that bad things won't happen to us. It actually says the opposite, that we will experience times of trouble. Our common human experience is that trouble will come. But when we do, when the trial comes in our life, we can have total peace to walk with God because we know he is with us. Verse 4 makes clear that the pathway to the green pastures often is the road of suffering. The king has to pass through the valley of the shadow of death, or what some translations call the darkest of valley. The Old Testament um, has this word uh, for darkness a number of times, but most of them occur within the book of Job, where we meet a man who suffered greatly for his Lord. A man who lost everything and yet he walked through that darkest place with god the word speaks of the shadow behind which lies death itself yet even here even in this valley we can fear no evil because god is with us and ultimately we fear no evil because we are not the first one to walk through this valley our lord jesus christ went to the valley of death for us He's already gone there on the cross, to the darkest of places, to die on our behalf. And he has risen again, showing us the way through. In one of the episodes of The West Wing, uh, Leo McGarry and Josh Lyman are having a discussion about the fact that Josh has been diagnosed with PTSD and he worries this will stop him working in the White House. And Leo tries to reassure him. He tells him this story. There's a guy walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, Hey, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription and throws it into the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along. Father, I'm down this hole. Can you help me out? The priest writes a prayer, folds it, throws it in the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? The friend jumps in the hole. The guy who's fallen in the hole says, Are you stupid? Now we're both down here. But the friend says, yeah, but I've been here before, and I know the way out. We have a friend who's been there before us, who knows the way through death, who's passed through the valley of the shadow of death, even to the point of death itself, but who rose again. One who has promised to be with us even to the very end of the age, so that we can have peace even in trouble, by trusting our good shepherd so we can rest even when it seems that everything else is falling apart because Jesus is with us. The shepherd's rod was used to um, fend off the wild beasts. The staff or the crook was a guide to control the sheep, to keep them on the right path, to make them aware of his presence with them. And We have this assurance from God. We have his promises, his words to comfort us and to keep us on the right path. These are precious to us. And so as we daily spend time in God's presence, meditating on his word, we find the faith that we need. We find the supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we walk even through the most troubling of times. And did you notice in verse four, as we moved into verse four, there was a change in how David refers to God. In the first three verses, David refers to God in the third person. The Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores my soul for his name's sake. But in verses four, five onwards, David shifts. He no longer refers to God in the third person. It becomes the second person. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, you prepare a table, you anoint my head. Why does David shift about talking in God in the third person using the he in order to move to you, the second person? Why does that change happen in verse 4? Why didn't he just go on to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for he is with me. His rod, his staff, they comfort me. I think the change is to move to the more intimate you. Showing the closeness of the relationship that David has with God. And that closeness, God drawing near, actually comes to the fruition through suffering. It's in the darkest places where David experiences an increased closeness with God. And that's what changes the way he refers to God. God is not just distant and theoretical, but he's close and he's real. And so the person changes. I will fear no evil for you are with me. He's felt the shadows closing in. He's at the crisis point in his life. But at this moment, closeness and intimacy with God increases. As we follow Jesus too, we are called to enter the shadow of death. In small ways, we go through it, whether that's through trials in our lives or sickness or illness, or when we come close to facing death itself. But in the midst of all of this, there is hope that we can trust the son who is our shepherd who walks with us. Jesus has gone before us. He's gone through the valley. And we too, even though we enter the darkness of death, know that we will go to be with our King forever. He will take our hand and lead us to the Father in heaven. By the Holy Spirit, we enjoy this fellowship even now with the Father and the Son. The fellowship that cannot be broken even by death itself. And so as we reflect on the ultimate darkness, the final enemy, death itself, We're reminded by this psalm that the shepherd has prepared a place for us. Which takes us to our final point. The shepherd has prepared a place. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verses 1-3 to of this psalm express the confidence that God will lead his people into the place of plenty. Verse 4 shows that even death cannot stop us from getting there. But verse 5 onwards looks forward to the final victory of Jesus, that a table is laid up for the victory banquet. There are enemies, there are those who persist in opposing Jesus, but they cannot participate in the banquet, they can only watch on. By contrast, the people of the king are the invited guests. Our head is anointed with oil in preparation for the banquet. Our cup overflows with abundant blessing. And these verses, of course, point forward to a future banquet. What the New Testament reveals is the wedding feast of the Lamb. Revelation 19, verse 7-9 to tells us, Let us rejoice and exalt, and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. We can experience this invitation. And we can experience even now a taste of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Most clearly, we see this when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a foretaste of that heavenly meal. But also in our day-to-day lives, we rest, we eat in the presence of God. Have you ever been so overcome with anxiety that you couldn't even eat or couldn't sleep? But we don't have to be like this, because no matter what comes our way, we know that God will provide for us. When God is our shepherd, we can feast at his table in perfect peace, even when surrounded by enemies. Because he cares for us, and he provides endless refreshment for us in our cup. We have nothing to fear because he's the provider and he is our defence. And the final verse brings all this together. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This goodness, this mercy of Jesus will be with us all the days of our lives. The word translated mercy here is the Hebrew word hesed, the steadfast, unfailing love of God that he shows to us. It's sometimes translated the grace of God, the love of God. This grace of God, the mercy of God, has sh- he has shown us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And that is with us all through our lives. This goodness and mercy, in fact, will follow us. And the Hebrew word for follow here literally means to pursue or to chase you, to hunt you down. This almost seems like an aggressive tone, but what this is saying is that God pursues us with his mercy and goodness. Surely goodness and mercy will pursue me, chase me, hunt me down all the days of my life. And isn't this amazing? We turn and we try to run away from God. And even as Christians, there are times when we turn and try and run away from God. But especially in the time of trouble, God pursues us. His mercy follows us. Romans eight twenty eight promises that, that God will work all things for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. No matter what circumstances we face, we can rest assured that God will be glorified through them for his name's sake. And that's what allows us to truly rest, to have confidence because of God's mercy and grace that we will dwell in his house forever. Jesus told us in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you also may be. In Psalm 23, we have these promises that encourage us to rest in God. The promise that Jesus, if he is our shepherd, will provide for us, will be with us in trouble. And will ultimately prepare a place for us in heaven to be with him forever. If you're not yet a Christian, you're invited to receive these same promises for yourself. To trust Jesus for your salvation. To trust that he can restore your soul. That he can bring you to this place of faith in him. The promises of the psalm allow us to truly rest in Jesus. It means we can slow down. We can rest in his presence. We can allow him to renew us, to restore us, to fill us with his joy and his peace. There's nothing on our agenda that is more important than spending this time with Jesus. No deadline, no need, no list, no schedule is more important than sitting in God's presence, listening to his word and praying to him. That's what enables us to go about our day, to maintain the spirit of peace and rest, even as we face troubles and trials. It's what gives us the peace to go through whatever life might throw at us. And it's what also enables us to encourage those around us, the people we meet to also rest in Jesus as the antidote to our busyness, which is often so overwhelming in this world of trouble. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks for your goodness to us, that you have designed us to rest in you and to find our completeness, our satisfaction in you, and that you have done all that is necessary through Jesus for us to come to you. We pray, Lord, whatever we might be facing right now whatever might be going on in our lives we would be able to rest in you in your presence we pray for any who don't yet know you that you would help them to take away anxiety and worry as well and to rest in you coming to know you through jesus christ our lord in his name we pray amen